Okay, we're rolling. What's up, PB? Dude, chilling. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. How, are you, how have you been doing? What have you been up to? Um, I'm pretty fortunate right now. I just got such a, um, such a crazy good fortune. It was bad, bad fortune for someone else, I guess, but I had taken on a job for the entire month of January, basically. Uh-huh. I canceled like the 31st of December. So la- this last week, I've just been like trying to remember how to have fun again after working so hard this last year. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely been a year for, uh, for working. Yeah, it was, it was a, I, I was pretty lucky too. I was able to stay consistent and stay employed and have multiple jobs even, but it was definitely a perspective shifter for me because now I'm really starting to see the value in not working all the time and not being obsessed with everything that I'm doing, which is very difficult for me. I, that's something I kind of struggle with. Well, man, it was so crucial to you getting set up in your new spot was being able to work and buckle down and, and make it uh, make your time there valuable, you know? Yeah, it, it definitely was. I can tell now as I approach 30, I'm in a different thing. Oh, how close are you, man? November, I turned 30. So oh, boy. this year, I'm joining the dark side. I know, man. <laughs> I think your 30s are the best time, honestly. I've got, th- I've done three years of them so far. You're, a, you're an old pro. <laughs> I like, I've liked them all. They're getting better, man. Um, That's what I hear. Yeah. So obviously I can complain about the trivial things. Like my face is getting some wrinkles, you know, I can be like, oh, man. <laughs> it's the bad light and the thousands of miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Maybe. Um, but you just learn to appreciate the things that get better, right? Like I'm not making dumbass decisions all the time. It's, yes. I'm able to be, uh, so disciplined kind of naturally in a lot of ways. Like I just decide I don't want to do something and it's like, it's right there. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm not doing that kind of stuff anymore. Instead of just like, mm, maybe it's a good idea. You know, there's no peer pressure really. Mm-hmm. I just have a better handle on my mind and you have to, you don't love that and getting older stuff, but I love it. Yeah. I felt, and tell me what you think of this. I felt like when I was younger, I would really overload myself with a bunch of different shit and do shit that I didn't even want to do just to be doing something. Mm-hmm. 100% man. Was it like that for you too? Uh, absolutely. I think, yeah. Now it sort of, I guess in late twenties and in the last couple of years, that same tendency transformed to be more work oriented. Like I would have a hard time saying no to anything that offered me money. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like partying or like social events or whatever. That was more like mid twenties kind of, you were there for a lot of that. I was there. Although we did have a lot of fun and I wouldn't not do it. It was just, uh, we were just looking for something. You know? Yeah. Smoking yeah. weed in my uh, my Pleasant Street apartment. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hanging out at Joshua's. Oh, man. Drinking so shitty pumpkin beer. Yes. Have you those, had one of those? No, I have not. No. 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 I do. Those give you the worst fucking hangovers because it's all like sugar and shit. To yeah. Pumpkin-y. It's like pumpkin juice for adults or something, right? It's like a yeah. juice box for an adult. Mm-hmm. 
a seasonal juice box. Mm-hmm. It's like the basic white boys spice latte. It is. Millhouse likes uh, <laughs> pumpkin spice uh, beverages. I don't think you shouldn't, but uh... <laughs> we won't hold it against him, though. Mm-mm. So not you were one of my uh, one of my first friends who was like, "Fuck having a job. I'm not gonna live a normal life anymore." So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, how did you get to that point, and what was that process like starting out? Well, you remember the probably most bland part of the whole deal was that I spent, uh, well, all in all, probably nine years I worked at Subway. Yeah, I remember. Uh, you know, and it seemed like the perennial quest for me was to do any little bit extra I could to, to end that whole ordeal. Right. But I, I, um, I pretty much always kept the job, but I felt like every summer I'd be like, all right, what can I do that gets me way more money or has me working less? So I, I like went away from that a few times and did some, um, Maine's good for side jobs in general. So I was always doing stuff like that, but, any sort of hustle that took me away from there and made me more money. I was like, this is cool. This is cool. And I think some of them got sketchier and sketchier. The real turning point for me is I did independent contracting for direct TV with my cousin. And it felt like we were, it felt dangerous. Right. Why did it feel like, so it was basically up to us to do the work. And it was like, I, uh, I had done some building before, but we had like some 40 foot ladders. We were on people's roofs. We were drilling holes in their ceiling. And, um, my cousin definitely knew what he was doing, but I was learning and I'm like, Oh, cool. We're going to make a thousand bucks a week. If we want to get up at seven and start and go home at 8 PM, we can. And, um, that was the first, like, Thing that I felt was non-regular but obviously it was way overboard I didn't want that either but I didn't want to I didn't want to do 40 hours a week every week for the rest of my life I was like hmm, maybe I can do this thing all summer long and then get six months off it, sem- it seemed like such good money you know that was like the radical departure from having a regular job and um, I guess I was 20 20 at that time and we made some pretty good money but i quickly got burned out man we were living in tents behind a walmart in plymouth massachusetts and it went on for a month or two and someone stole a tent someone stole the tent right (laughs) i know fucking way she goes but um we were just trying to maximize the money right He was like, yeah, we could get a hotel room. Yeah, we could sleep in the truck, whatever. Let's just do this and work really hard. And uh, I think the reason that that kind of disintegrated was the guy who was in charge of paying us was like addicted to pills. And every week the paycheck got less and less and he would call us and we would talk to him and he would tell us it was like certain that we were getting certain fines for like the big one was, and this was, well, let me only give you the necessary details, I guess. It was like 2008, 2009. People are getting cell phones and stuff like that. We would be fined $50 a job if we didn't hook 
the satellite receiver to a landline and activate it through the landline. And people didn't really, people with any sort of money didn't have landlines in their home anymore. So we would do a full week of work. Say we, say we book uh, 28 jobs, right? We hook up five landlines. They, they would take off like $600 off of the paycheck. So it'd be like, well, you might've had a thousand, but you only had 400. This and then you guys had to split that. What's that? And then you guys had to split it. Uh, no, but it was, it still felt awful for oh, being, yeah. we were working 12 hours and 12 hour days and driving between jobs and putting gas in the truck and stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure it wasn't obvious that he was hosing us, but it was obvious that it was way too much work for a little pay. Yeah. So, um, after that summer I came back to Maine and I, I got one of those opportunities that you'll hear about in like movies where I went to my mechanic and I was like, do you guys need help here? And he told me I could clean up his shop and sweep the floor and put away his tools. And I just started doing that while also working nights at Subway. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing that now for 13 years, man, almost 12 years. Before we go any further, would you happen to have a, a set of headphones? Um, to look profesh? Well, it's, it, it's just feeding back a little bit. Um, I can hear my voice feeding back on, on your end, and I'm getting it in here. So if, if you have some, it'll eliminate that. Okay. Um, I, have, I have some small ones. Yeah. Okay. Two seconds. Cool. No problem. Do what you got. I have do. earbuds, but. That'll work. What's, uh, have you discovered any really great music this year, Taylor? Um, music this year. It's been few and far between. One thing I really loved, though, was the new Sturgill Simpson album, Cutting Grass. I like that a lot. Um, have you listened to Sturgill Simpson before? I haven't. So he's like a Nashville country guy, but he does all sorts of music. Uh, a couple of years ago, he released an album called A Sailor's Guide to Earth. That's kind of like a Stax Records, Elvis Presley, and Memphis throwback. And then after that one, he did one called Sound and Fury, which is basically the soundtrack to 2020. It's about the apocalypse and America falling apart and becoming oh, intense. Let me plug this in and we'll see where okay. we're at. Okay, you're good. Sounds better, too. The audio quality is way better. Ooh, nice. Okay. I cool. sound like I fell down a well to myself, but maybe I'll just take one out. Yeah, you can take one out. Nice. Okay. So um, back to on track about working. Uh -huh. You being the first person that I knew who, who didn't really want to have a job. What, so you started working at this mechanic shop. What happened after that? Um, well, uh, so working there, eventually I, I got started actually fixing stuff. He taught me a bunch of cool things, uh, mm -hmm. Bob, my old boss. And um, basically, I just adopted more and more responsibility there. Um, you know, started answering the phone, started dealing with customers, ordering parts, and, and pretty much doing everything it took to operate a shop. And after five years of that or so, four or five years of that and trials and 
changing buildings, I thought that it was something I could do myself. Yeah. So what, what was the, like the, the border, like when did it flip though? Cause you had the house on old bath road yeah. where you always would fix my 2000 Pontiac <laughs> shitty grand am. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you remember that car. Well, I think uh, I've had every fluid it contained on my hands at some point. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> um, what was your question? What, how did I get set up there? Yeah. How did you get set up there and start fixing stuff? Cause that was um, the Phil Brian that I had met. Exactly. That's uh, I had started doing that not too long before meeting you. I was, I was working both things. Actually, I was doing side work at uh, 408 Bath Road, across from the day spa, you know, yeah, lovely oh, yeah. neighbors. <laughs> and um, they probably hated us, but. Because you guys were always revving your fucking cars. Yeah, all the people that came and visited, especially. I tried to be, like, pretty pretty respectful, but, you know, if you burn them, if you got them, they say, right? Smoke <laughs> them if you got them. Smoke them if you got them, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. I have such vivid memories of uh, of going to see you in that shop and it being like nine degrees out and we're all huddled in there and everybody's working <laughs> on someone's car. Yeah. What was it? it was like a four bay garage, three bay garage. Three bay. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. You guys had the shitty heater that was in there that didn't really work. Oh, my God. You mean it was like a red light, basically? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Those were some good times, dude. Oh, just- wait. No, that one actually had the the thing on the wall with the, you had to like light it every time, and it was always sketchy about whether it was going to turn on or blow up. Uh huh. Was that? Yeah. I yeah, remember I remember that. that. Um, I remember that, and all my crushed rock star cans that I had in there. Hmm. Dude, that was fun. Um, so I was doing the the side work there and helping you out and helping people out. That's when I met a lot of my. I mean, a lot of my current friends, you know, I met a lot of people in that time that I still love. Love seeing you, man. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Heck yeah. And um, so I had TJ and Josh were in there as well. And we were kind of uh, trying to build hype and, and get things fixed there and just do a good job, learn how to do a good job. And um, part of the Part of the struggle with that is it looked like crap we had a bunch of broken stuff in the yard and uh, couldn't afford to, to heat the building you know we had to invite all our friends over so no one froze to death <laughs> i always remember just like nine people being in there someone's working <laughs> on one car someone's working on another car and we're all just kind of huddled in there uh-huh yeah misery that's you can do that stuff when you're you know, 25, 26, but I don't want to, not where I'm at now. It gets old after a little while. Mm -hmm. What is the importance to you of being a self-employed person and kind of doing your own thing? Um, it's funny, I think, because you might imagine that the importance is being able to set your own schedule and stuff and have a, that probably is the most important thing. Important thing is, to have a flexible life, right? Where you can operate on the basis of what you're feeling like, I guess. But um, I find that 
I get a lot of value out of helping people and doing work. So it's not like I work any less, but the ability to say no is there, which is pretty cool. I just don't use it very often. <laughs> it's nice to know I can. Yeah, I agree with that too. It's, it's kind of similar to me. I think for me, it's really about, because I had to figure out how to make my life work in a congruent way with all the things that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So doing the podcast, doing music, and I'm willing to work jobs. I'll work a job if it fits into my life. If it doesn't, then I don't want to, I don't want to do it. I'm not interested in it. You had, I, I think I learned in my twenties how to set boundaries with money. Like when is it worth it versus when is it not worth it? And most of the time it feels not worth it. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Hmm. Like uh, you're not going to adopt or, or take on extra work for like small amounts of money. Yeah. Because my time is valuable. It's like every month I, I somehow make things work and I can put it all together I remember you were one of the first people that I, uh, that I called when I said I didn't want to have jobs anymore. And you were like, yeah, <laughs> don't have a job. Uh-huh. I actually found, um, I found my first finance journal. And I didn't, I was thinking the other day about how long I've been doing it because you always, well, I always, I don't know how you, how you manage your finances right now, but I have a little leather book with, uh, that I just put like moleskins or whatever blank goodwill journals I find and I just keep track of what I'm spending and if I buy something I take it out as soon as I can remember and I write you know write down the purchase what it was I they're highlighter color coded so that I'm really quick when I'm totaling stuff up uh, like for a week or for a month or whatever whatever my expenses are they're just highlighted in whatever color that category is you know bills or business related or whatever snacks is an important one snacks is a yellow highlighter and that's food that i ate but didn't need to eat so you, you really break it down into oh yeah what, what is important versus what is not important yeah i never want the the uh yellow snack highlighter category to be larger in a week than the pink grocery category so if i'm eating more snacks than groceries i'm fucking it up man so that's yellow is for kombucha, right? Kombucha would get a yellow mark. Seltzer water, uh, ice cream, gummy bears, you know. Uh, and if I go out to dinner too. So that one's kind of a stress. But the original point was I started in 2011 and I saw my first primitive uh, accounting journal. And what did so you think looking back on it? It was... Uh, it was basically the same. It's not changed much. The color coding's new. The, um, the level of detail is better. Like if I spend $2 on a book at Goodwill, I'll write, you know, $2 book, you know, like I basically, I, I try to make it as exact as possible, but I didn't know I had been doing it for so long. It just became natural at some point And I forgot when I started, you know? When you first started, was it something that was intimidating or something that you didn't know much about? Or how was that in the beginning? I honestly can't remember. I just knew I didn't want to be broke. I thought, I think my original thought was that if I wrote it down, I would feel more guilt about the money I spent. You know, I'd be like, oh, that's too much. But if you just, if you take some money in and, and it just goes away, you're just like, 
dang man life's life's just beating me you know like i don't know what's happening if you write it down you're like how the fuck did you eat two pints of ice cream this week and why well you know what are the circumstances you have to think about it instead of just like you know otherwise you'd throw them away never see them again you'd be like well i guess i have no money again this week figures you know life sucks my job sucks blah 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 just you you externalize it completely oh yeah for sure i think with with money it's often a taboo topic not a lot of people want to talk about it because it Mm. makes them uncomfortable that it's like it we're always taught as kids you know this is private that you keep this to yourself it's like pooping or masturbating or any of that stuff (laughs) yeah i'd say wow it might even be more rewarding than those two things than those two things even more private at the same time (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so talk to me a little bit about uh the state of america right now pb what do you think about it i'm not paying a whole heck of a lot of attention man you are yes yeah i am it depends on the the day for me uh it's just like a train wreck i can't look away from oh well yeah i think that's like that's the sense I get. And it's also kind of what I think. I think the end result of a train wreck is what will get it out of the state it's in, right? Like things might just get dramatically worse and worse, or everyone has to stop what they're doing and let it recover naturally. It just seems weird. It's like something you can't force it to end. You know, the train has to hit whatever it's going to hit by itself. Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now, where it's like, is this the apocalypse and are we all going to die or are things going to be okay? I don't know, man. Have you have you uh, put a down payment on a yurt or anything? No, (laughs) I have emergency yurt money, though. (laughs) Okay, so you'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be fine, dude. Yeah, they'll never find you out in the Tennessee woods. Go hide in the Smokies or something, huh? Yeah, exactly hide out in the mountains mm, take some of the cold sleeping skills you learned up here in the north and apply them oh <laughs> yes okay we should tell that story <laughs> sure i'd love to so you came down to visit me in nashville it was not long after i got there what time of year was it were you here january february sometime i i believe it was yeah march or okay something. because it was a little cold but i was it was dramatically better there than it was here Yes. So we went to the bus station because I didn't have a car at the time. Mm -hmm. And we were going to take a bus to this uh, this restaurant that is no longer there called the Family Wash. And while we were waiting at the bus stop, a gentleman came up to us. What did he say to us? Oh, man. Uh, The first thing he said to us was, oh, was it? I thought I told you not to come here anymore. Yeah, yes. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. And we were both confused. Like, what the, what, what are you talking about? We didn't know what he was saying. Yeah, like we had some doppelgangers there and, and maybe he thought that he really told us to leave at one point. Yeah. And then what did he say after that? I don't remember the next thing, but I know I was getting real nervous real quick. Yeah, I was too. I and was he, like, 
he started talking about um we were just talking to him and being nice to him but we were definitely getting the creeps like we need to get the fuck out of this situation yeah and he came up to us and he was saying um he was asking us if we could sleep in the cold yeah well so i think one of us probably me kind of naively told him that we were from maine yes because <clears throat> i was like all right yeah i'm nervous let's have a normal conversation with him doesn't have to escalate you know he was looking for escalation i believe so rapid escalation <laughs> rapid escalation yeah so yeah we decide to piece the fuck out of there we run across the street to kroger and we get an uber to take there it's dead because i had always heard the bus was sketchy at night in nashville and i hadn't mm-hmm. ridden it at night before because the way i got i first got around when i got here was purely by bus and it was clearly very sketchy that night. I, I, uh, I felt like he would have tried to stab us or something or take our wallets or something. There were some serious stab vibes going, getting thrown around. Yeah. I had just trusted. I was like, oh, Taylor's from here. He's chill. Where nothing bad's going to happen. He knows how to deal with, uh, with disgruntled uh, <laughs> bus riders in the night. I was like, oh, we're fine, except for we're not. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I was like, we need to get the fuck out of here. We're just going to take an Uber there. Yeah. Yeah. That was the right move. I think I, I, yeah. I don't want to be stabbed. Yeah. No, I don't want to be stabbed either, but you know what? In a nutshell, mm. that is the entirely the world that we're living in right now. Like everything that's going on, people are desperate. People are hungry. People are broke. And we're really seeing that everything that the way, it was in America isn't really working anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You feel that, especially being in a city. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, I haven't particularly felt unsafe per se. I mean, but there's, you can definitely tell people are tense. There's a mood, there's a vibe. Hmm. It's uh, it's a little chill here, you know, like, well, obviously there's, problems with what's happening but it's almost we're so remote that it's like just ripples Mm -hmm. of the problem and we don't i don't see them day to day you know i just try to not go shopping very often and um you know things are only weird when i go to town when i drive 20 minutes away you know there's something different happening you can feel it in town yeah yeah and it's just um it's been so easy to just like work on things though here because uh, I would say the worst side effect in a place like this is you um, have as much desire to have personal relationships with people and they're not um, the opportunity, you know, like the only time I really see people now is at the grocery store. So I've been trying to buckle down, especially this last week where I found myself with not as much to do. I've just been like drawing and playing guitar and and trying not to spend all my money. And, you know, it's been a strange time when all of this first started, I took like a break from doing anything because I was looking at it and I was like, shit, I've been out of high school for 10 years now Mm. and life just flew the fuck by. Um, so like the first couple of weeks when we thought every other person was going to die, I didn't, 
I didn't, oh uh, I wasn't really doing anything. You know, everything was on standstill. Plus we had that tornado in Nashville before that. So it was already kind of like that. And afterwards I slowly started deciding like, okay, I need to figure out what I'm doing with myself and I have to get busy again. And I have to find things to keep me occupied because the world, the way it is, I can't busy myself with the outside world right now because it's such an easy distraction to just go out and be like, oh, I'm going to work or I'll just drive for Uber and Lyft or oh, I'll do this, oh, I'll do that. All of a sudden, all that was taken from me. And I just, luckily, I was in the financial position to be able to do that, but I just was able to take a step back and really look at my life, what was working for me and what wasn't. Hmm. Yeah, 10 years, man. 12 now, huh? Uh, well, no, it, it's uh, going on 11 in June. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I'm fortunate that you could, uh, you're fortunate that you could just take a chill from everything. Yeah, man. A lot of people aren't in that position. And um, everybody's really desperate right now. It's sad to see. And then, of course, fucking the Senate being like, yeah, no, no $2,000 checks. Go for oh, it. Oh, dude. Uh, 600 bucks is such a slap in the face, really. It's like, give me nothing. I'll take yeah. nothing instead because you just have to pay it back later. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like leaving a penny tip at a restaurant. Right. <laughs> wow. That's a little more. Yeah. I mean, what do, you, what do I, I think it's okay. Right. Cause it's the intention is it for it to be a stimulus. I think the best way to use it <clears throat> honestly is if you think that someone who you would, if you would be sad that a company or a person went out of business, it might be worth giving it to them. You know, like Jeff Bezos, <laughs> that cocksucker. Yeah. You're not a fan. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been trying. I think I've only bought one or two things off Amazon all year, all of 2020 because there's, I mean, everyone was, it was like, uh, Wow, how lucky for him, right? All of a sudden, nobody wants to leave, and uh, he has the best delivery fleet in the country. And yeah, in the cool, world, man. And the what? In the world. In the world, right, yeah. right. <clears throat> and the most like desperate <laughs> warehouse employees known since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> yeah, I know. Dude, it's <laughs> fucked up. I hear stories about that. Uh, the Amazon people are pissing in bottles and shit. And they're getting threatened to lose their jobs if they don't do X number of whatever an hour. It's fucked, dude. Uh -huh. This is clearly not what we're uh, we're meant to do as human beings. We have we should everybody should be figure out how to be self employed. It would be cool, you know. That's that would be the ideal outcome of an apocalypse scenario, right? Is that communities band together and and people learn how to do things and share skills in small groups, and it's not this huge web of interconnected i mean it's like the shittiest scaffolding we've ever built is how the world is working right now you know just uh i don't know how bad it was for you in <clears throat> in nashville but just thinking about food supply chain problems when oh, nobody's yeah. leaving like you go to the grocery store and there's no food like how? that's too fragile of a system really 
like everyone's got to go into the same brick building to to get food or people start dying like that's pretty shitty and not only that but no one knows like the majority of people in america don't know how to get food and i'm i'm guilty of that too you know i've never been hunting before i don't know how to grow anything mm-hmm. if i was in a pinch i could i could probably figure it out i have faith in myself but the average person they really uh we're really so far from removed from what we're eating and what we're putting into our bodies. Yeah. I think, uh, just in general knowledge and like, it's become so like uh, specialized knowledge and skills and all that. And you're really counting on so many other people who know how to do things or you won't, you know, your life is so dramatically different and challenging food is probably the biggest part because it's delicious and if we had to uh only eat vegetables i might just tap out myself vegetables and bugs yeah i mean i want poutine every now and then right i hope that's not going to go away i think it's i think it's going to be okay bud (laughs) (sighs) if i'm president dude the poutine is going to be flowing from from the streets (laughs) it'll be everywhere on every corner you've got my vote and you've got vote my vote. Me. I'll vote twice. I'll uh, <laughs> I will <laughs> resurrect people from the dead to vote for you, Taylor. Dude, you know what? That's the world we're living in. And that's just <laughs> how it's got to be now. By the way, I, I do know. have a, con- a conspiracy theory for you. Let's hear it. So my conspiracy theory is that the election was <clears throat> 100% rigged for Joe Biden, but it wasn't rigged against Trump. It was rigged against hmm. Kanye. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Kanye. How did Kanye, how did he do, man? Uh, not good because, well, better than expected. But they, they actually took, um, took him off a bunch of ballots in a bunch of states in order so he couldn't split the vote. Hmm. I so see. He got I think he got like 10,000 votes in uh Tennessee. That's pretty good. Because he, he, he was on, on the ballot the, here. He wasn't on the ballot in here in Maine. It was uh De La Fuente and uh someone else, but he wasn't on our ballot. Any state where he wasn't on the ballot, racist. Anybody who <laughs> voted for Joe Biden, racist. Oh man, yeah, you can't. They, they, they rigged it against him, dude. Just because of Kanye, you're racist. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're, they're racist if they rigged it against Kanye, man. I believe that. Yeah, he um, he did that long uh, long podcast with Joe Rogan, huh? Yeah. Before, did you listen to that? I, I started, yeah, but I I've been trying to stay off of YouTube. Um, well, I guess he's only on Spotify now, too, right? Yeah, yeah, Joe Rogan's just on Spotify. Yeah, so. Uh, I've been taking some time off YouTube and, um, but yeah, I did hear about Mike Tyson doing four grams of mushrooms on the air. I heard about that too. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's, it's good. I, it, that makes me hella nervous, dude. I was thinking like, maybe that's what I should do now. Four grams of mushrooms. Absolutely, dude. You know what? <laughs> Another first thing that I, I did with you was you gifted me some mushrooms do you remember oh, that yeah. i do yeah man first time i took mushrooms i took them with uh i took them with ned and we walked around portland and uh it got weird 
the whole world got weird. It made mm. sense and didn't make any sense at all. Oh, man. That's such a beautiful effect of them. I did a lot this weekend, too, man. Did you learn anything? Um, I learned how to manage partiers' guilt very effectively. What is partiers' guilt? It's when you... So, no doubt you've felt the sensation before, but when you get up in the morning and you feel like you have a lot of things to apologize for, you know? Oh, yeah. Like you drank too much, you were too loud. Yeah, yeah. So, I feel like it's a... It's kind of like a side effect of not trusting yourself fully, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, you, if you're a seasoned party or you're like, oh, whatever I did, you might trust that you did it for entertainment purposes or you're just so okay with yourself. You're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, whatever. I wasn't hurting anybody. I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to say anything rude, mean, loud, whatever. Didn't want to try to wrestle my friend awake when he wanted to sleep, you know, that wasn't that wasn't something I did to be hurtful. It was for fun. I was trying to have fun. <clears throat> so, um, I didn't mean I thought, to hit that old lady with my car when I was drunk, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, that wasn't you. The spirits commanded that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the dark spirits, the dark spirits. Yeah. And so I was, uh, I was feeling a lot of like dark energy in my life this last it partly as a side effect of just buckling down and working so hard, I think. I felt like I was losing touch with the part of my personality that could casually have fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like, I was real nervous that I was going to overdo it by trying to like retrain myself, you know, like let, like just learn how to cut loose really fast. And I was going to go way overboard. But so basically, I did drugs all week. Uh, all weekend just now you know in a safe controlled environment socially distant um on a small lake house in maine you know western maine Um, and it was cold as balls it was pretty cold but there was a hot tub which was a bit of reprieve but um yeah i mean what was the the point of the story was that mushrooms i think that little bit of understanding you get can help you trust yourself and know that you just know that you're not up to no good right you're just a human trying to have an experience and um yeah and just be ready to apologize i guess things get bad you know be ready to own up to it and, and trust that you're not actually an evil person maybe you just uh maybe you just take it too far sometimes it can happen to the best of us. Yeah. I've learned some ugly shit about myself on mushrooms. I, uh, I remember one Halloween I took some and I went to this show and everybody was in a costume. It was for this band, Backup Planet. They were playing at Exodent here in Nashville. And I took them. I took a lot of them. I don't even know how many I took, but my hands started feeling heavy. Hmm. And I never felt that before taking mushrooms. Old heavy hands. Yep. And I just started tripping my fucking balls off. And there was there was this moment where I was like, oh, shit, everything I'm doing, all the bad stuff that I'm doing, it's like I'm choosing to do that. Mm-hmm. 
I'm choosing to to do that. It was it was like a layer of reality got stripped away. And I just saw the ugliness for what it was, you know, whether it's a way I treat someone, how, uh, how I think of myself, all that stuff. Just, I got, I got flown into a fucking fired out of a rocket, dude. Wow. Yeah. And I think did it made you feel better or more peaceful that you knew it was a choice and it just wasn't like out of your control anymore or. Um, no. So it made me feel worse realizing it was a, it was a choice. Uh, um, I felt like I had to, to deal with that fact and come to terms with it before it could get better. You know what I mean? Okay. So it was just an eye opening experience. You saw the ugliness. Yes. Mm. Well, I think that's why a lot of people are scared to do them because that's a necessary part of healing sometimes. I'm starting to sound like a new age shaman, I guess, but you've always been my new age shaman. <laughs> it's an honor, man. Every time I need uh need guidance, my spirit needs guidance. You always lead me down the path. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Of course. I, I love talking to you. We uh the last conversation we had was really good and I feel like you're one of my best friends in the in the way that um it doesn't matter how much time passes you know i just really love hearing from you we take it right back to that pleasant <laughs> street apartment <laughs> yes well dude i appreciate you doing this today thank you so much um i will uh be seeing you soon my pleasure man hey i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to your state of the union because i didn't have much uh much input in the political sphere and i gotta hear what you uh what you're thinking yeah yeah it'll be out the week before this one okay cool i look forward to it you got it bud this podcast is produced to you by taylor miller